It's definitely a discussion that you never want to enjoy having when you're dealing with the idea of grief, mourning. But as you heard in the song, God is always sovereign even in the valleys, and we see that. Sadly, loss is a fact of life. We all experience it. I remember about 10 years ago, I believe it was 10 years ago, it seemed like everything was great in our family. You know, everyone was healthy and and we were enjoying our family. And and, uh, what I didn't know was it was about two days away from my birthday and Lynn had been in communication with my parents and they were trying to surprise me on my birthday and they were going to come out to where we were in Iowa and and uh, they were going to surprise me. We're, Lynn and I were just going to go out for a, a dinner that night and walk into a restaurant and lo and behold there would be my folks. And uh, the plan was all set to go and I had no idea and on two days before my birthday I receive a phone call. And it's my dad on the other end of the line. And he says, Pete, we, uh, we actually have the car ready to, to leave. We were just moments away. In about five minutes we were going to leave to come out to you and surprise you for your birthday. However, I just got the call that your grandfather just passed away. Had a heart attack and was gone instantly. In a moment like that, there went from this whole idea of a wonderful celebration to grief and mourning. And rather than them getting into the car and coming out to where we were at, next thing we're scrambling so that I can get on a plane to go out and be a part of a funeral. This is not a story that is one that is not known by all. (laughs) Because the truth be told... I would say pretty much everybody in this room has probably had a similar experience. Maybe the details are slightly different, but you've had that feeling, you've you've received that phone call, that news that came in that said someone that you have loved is gone. This morning, our beatitude, Jesus simply is sitting to the crowd and he says in Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let's pray. Father, there are definitely days that we go through that valley. We experience the loss. Sometimes even where it seems like that loss will never end. But what a joy it is that you have told us, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Father, we're so thankful that you are here in this place today. And as as we engage in your word together, would you be that God of all comfort where it is needed today and remind us that you are here. In your name we pray, amen. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Short passage, and one, you probably already have it in Matthew 5, 4. You already have that idea in your mind. You can probably even say it now because 
All it takes is a couple of simple times. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, it brings us to the place of answering a couple of questions that we need to answer. The first question is simply, what is mourning? What does it mean to mourn? And this is something that we talk about when, especially around the death of a loved one or a loss, we say, you know, it's good to mourn. We mourn many different things. We're going to talk about in just a moment what do we mourn, but what is mourning at its very core? Mourning is not just a simple sad feeling of, of something. You know, you don't wake up in the morning just kind of feeling a little down and go, I'm mourning today, all right? Um, some people think they mourn Mondays, but you really don't. You just, you just don't like Mondays, all right? But it's this idea. It's not simply the feeling of sadness it's not an emotional response to a difficult time. You know, sometimes we'll go through a hard time, maybe at work, something happens and we get really upset, we get stressed and kind of that depressed feeling. That's not mourning either. It's not this idea of groveling in self-pity. Woe is me, you know, life is horrible. That's not mourning, okay? Mourning is this deep, inner agony or heartfelt grief over something it is this feeling that will never go away in the moment you just think this is oh i don't i don't see how i'll ever get past this sense of loss a great picture of this is actually david david in second samuel chapter 18 we read he's getting older in his age. He's coming to the end of his career as the king. He's about ready to transfer power. And, and as, as we read in the Old Testament, the, the understanding was that Solomon was going to become his successor. However, there was another son of David's that didn't like that idea. His name was Absalom. And Absalom comes to the place where he says, I don't care if Solomon is the one who my dad has said is going to be king. I am going to overthrow the throne and I am going to become king. And so he sets out to do this. He tries to get people to turn to him, declares himself as king. And then all of a sudden David finds out about it. And David basically says, bring my son Absalom to me. However, there were those that didn't like Absalom, and in the process of trying to track Absalom down, you read the story that as he's riding, he's fleeing away, and because of his glorious hair that he had, got caught in a tree, and he's hanging there by his hair. And one of David's soldiers goes up and spears his son to death. Now, you know, you could sense, there probably, yeah, it probably wasn't a good thing, but a lot of people would say, well... Yeah, he was trying to take your throne without, by power, by, by stealing it from you. That, that for sure would make David mad. Therefore, he should, you know, well, yeah, okay, my hurt, my son is gone, but he deserved that. But actually, look what it says in Samuel, 2 Samuel 18.33. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. And he said, oh, my son Absalom... My son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Now the way I read that sounds like grief, doesn't it? I read it horribly. 
Because could you imagine, here's the king, he's in there, goes up to his room and you could just sense this, this heart-wrenching prayer before God. Oh, Absalom, my son, if only I could have died in your place. And you sense that heart-wrenching inner agony that he goes through. Lynn talked about Job a moment ago. Another incredible picture of despair, of mourning. You know, we, we kind of read through Job and we go, yeah, Job lost a lot of things. And then he goes through this time with his friends and then God sits him down. You know, our favorite verses, sit down and take it like a man, Job. And, you know, where were you when I did this? And then Job comes back around and says, you're right, I was wrong. Who am I? You know, no plan of yours can be thwarted. You are sovereign God. But when you consider Job, the mourning that he was, he lost his children, he lost his family, he lost everything. And there he is sitting with sores in agony, both physically and emotionally. There's a man who was mourning the loss. Mourning brings in this sense of I can never be comforted. It'll never go away. This is hopeless. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. So now the question needs to come around to, well, what do we mourn then? If it's this inner sense of agony, heartfelt grief over something, what do we, I mean, are we just, is, is Jesus just simply saying, I want you to walk around moping for the rest of your life, just mourning over over loss is that i don't that's not what he's coming to so what is it that he is referring to you know is it you know what i need to mourn the rest of my life because i lost my grandfather lynn needs to mourn the rest of her life because she lost her parents you need to mourn because you lost a loved one is that really what it would be like should we stop singing god's been good good to my soul no Obviously, we understand that part of what God, Jesus is saying is here is yes, personal loss is something that we mourn. We actually see this throughout the Bible as well. Another great example is, is uh, Jacob in Genesis 37. This is the story of Joseph and his son of many colored coat and his brothers sell him into slavery and they come to dad and they say, Look what we found, Dad. Here's his coat. The, the, animal, the wolves got him. They, they, he was killed by the animals. And look what it says in Genesis 37, 34, and 35. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him personal loss. Jacob lost his son. But then we also see in that it might take on different forms. You know, it may not just simply be that that loss of a loved one. Maybe it's something else. For example, we have men and women who serve in our military who have served in conflict overseas. And while in conflict, they've lost limb or they've lost something in that nature. And they come home and they mourn the loss of a life of their own that they will never be able to live again. 
Maybe it's the loss of a pet. Many will mourn the loss of a, of a loved pet. Or, or a job. You had a good job and you just found out that that job no longer exists. You can mourn different things. But the great part of this is according, you know, this, God cares. Whatever it is that we're mourning, God cares when it comes to personal loss. However, that's not the only thing that we mourn. Another thing that we are, are said to mourn is our lost world. The world in which we live in is going so far away from God's word. And I hear this all the time. Oh man, it's getting horrible. Things are terrible. Thing, and, and it's true. It is. Scripture says it's going to be that way. The other day I was driving with my, my oldest daughter and we were in the car and we were kind of talking about this idea and, and she said, Dad, did you, did you hear about the Grammys? And I know what the Grammys are, but I didn't watch the Grammys. And, and she said, yeah, it was, it's really kind of a sad thing that points to this because there were two Christian bands that actually were awarded Grammy Awards. Which this, now understand, the Grammys are not a Christian awards ceremony. This is completely a secular ceremony. And two Christian bands were there. They get their award. They get up there and they, they give their speech and they thank God. They thank Jesus. They use it as a platform. And when they get off, you know, it's the courtesy. Very nice. Okay. Yeah, that was really good. In that same Grammy Awards ceremony, there was a performance by an individual who gets up there. And maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. He gets up there and apparently he's wearing an outfit that is not God-glorifying, sings a song that is very anti-living God's way. Some even satanic portions to it, they, they said. Up there and doing this, and completely opposite of what the Christian bands had said. And when he's done, do you think that there was a courtesy clap? The place erupts. In applause. And as she shared that with me, I said, my heart breaks at the reality that we are celebrating sin, thundering applause for anything that is against God. But when God is raised, He is given a very, yeah, that's nice. Do we mourn over the loss of godliness in our culture? Does it bother me that we are quicker to accept sin than we are holiness? Look at Jesus' own heart for the world. Drew, uh, in Matthew 23, 37, Jesus says these words, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. You see that agony of Jesus as, he, as He's saying, I wanted to bring you in, but you wouldn't allow me. I need to be honest for a moment. And maybe you're this way too. I find myself getting angry over the world rather than mourning for the world. Do you find yourself getting that? When you, when you hear statistics like of the Gen Z population today of our young people that only one-fourth of our Gen Z population believe that there is moral right and wrong and that, uh, that they believe 
three quarters of them believe that it is based on time, changes over time, and on society. So we're having less and less people believing that there is a moral standard. 34% of our Gen Z students do not believe lying is wrong. I mean, 34%, you might go, well, that's not bad, 34%. I mean, that means it's a higher percentage. Yeah, almost 40% of our kids are going, lying's not wrong. And it keeps increasing up. Well, 70% believe that abortion is okay. 40% of our young people today feel that marriage is a lifelong commitment. So if it doesn't work out, it's not a problem. 60% are like, eh, you can walk away. 40% are saying it's lifelong. Only 20% of our young people believe that sex before marriage is wrong. Did you hear that? 20. Eight out of every 10 of our students are going, it's okay. As a matter of fact, they're saying it's good because you want to know if you're compatible. 20% of our young people believe that same-sex activity is wrong. Folks, we have a problem. Do I get angry or do I mourn? You know what? It breaks my heart when I see our students making these decisions. Do we mourn over our lost world? Do I mourn over my own sin? Pastor, <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with mourning over the sin of the world. But let's not go personal here. Well, it's easy for us to see what everybody else is doing wrong and be bothered by that. But does my own sin bother me? I love David. David messed up big time. Did you know it was after David messed up that he was called the man after God's own heart? It wasn't before. It was after. Do you know why he was called the man after God's own heart? It was because he had that heart of understanding that sin was wrong. Look at his words in Psalm 51, verses 3 through 12. David says, For I know my transgressions, and my sins are always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Did you get that? That's not our culture today. We often say, you have no right to judge me. You are right in your verdict, justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquity. And then those verses. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You see even there, David mourned his sin. He didn't like that he sinned. Well, 
Of course, that, I mean, David had a big sin. That was a huge sin. The guy, he, he had adultery, and then he killed the woman's husband. That's pretty big, right? You know, oftentimes that's what we do. Mine's not as bad. Well, let me give you this truth. Sin is sin. To God, a little sin is the same as a big sin. It is a sin, and sin hurts the heart of God. Sin separates us from the love of God. Sin causes problems in that relationship. Do I mourn that? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 through 11, even if I caused you sorrow, now understand he had sent a kind of a, a pretty straightforward letter to the church in Corinth, and he says that even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation against sin, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. When we mourn over sin, it brings repentance. We don't like it. We don't, we don't like having that break between God. I don't like knowing that I'm hurting the heart of God. I remember if you're a parent, you know, kids are great when they're little because you know when their heart is not right, don't you? And I remember when our kids were little, when they did something that they knew they weren't supposed to do, we could see it all over them. And Lynn would often talk to them and she'd say, you know, girls, mom and dad will always find out. God is on our side. <laughs> we never, we didn't tell. I mean, well, I mean, there's truth to that. Yes, God is on our side. But, but we didn't tell them, we can see it in your, we can see it on your face. When there is sin that is in your heart, you are not our little girl. You're someone else. You're sad. You know, it's, it's interesting because you look at David David in a psalm talks about how it affected him in his life. It was physically painful, emotionally painful, all of that. And it didn't stop until his heart was clean with God. With our girls, they would not go back to normal until their heart was clean. They, didn't, they couldn't give a half-hearted apology. They would go to their room and they would be upset. There had to be that hurt over what I did. Sin causes a lot of problems when we don't deal with it. Now, I'm going to make a, a really big generalization here. I understand that it, there are different scenarios. Every case is a little bit different. So understand, this is a generalization. We are seeing in our culture today one of the highest amounts of depression within the Christian church. I'm not just talking in society. I'm talking in the church. I believe, now this is, 
based on what I see with David, what I see in other things, I believe that a majority of what we're experiencing with mental illness within the church of today, when we're talking about depression, anxiety, and those things, is a result of sin in the life of the person. Now again, I'm making a general statement here. But understand that this does not wander far away from God's word because David had mental problems. He had, he had depression. He had physical problems. I knew a pastor who once was living in sin. He had heart problems until he was able to come clean before God. And all of a sudden, things began to go right. Why? Because we were never meant to carry sin. Do I mourn over the sin in my life to where I am willing to give it to God. Because here's the great part of this one. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? For they will be comforted. What do we receive when we mourn personal loss? What do we receive when we mourn our, our world today that has fallen into sin? What do we mourn or what do we receive when we come before God broken because of our own sin? We will be comforted. You know, it's, it, it is true that we like to be comforters, don't we? You know, it's, it was interesting. When I was in college, I was taking counseling classes and I remember in one of those classes they made and repeated this statement over and over and over again when someone comes to you hurting never use the phrase I know how you feel you know we that's a very common phrase as a matter of fact it's amazing how many times you hear that you know someone comes in you know and, and they're hurting they lost someone they lost something and and our first statement is Oh, I'm so sorry. I know exactly how you feel. And I remember in that counseling class, they said, never say that because you can never know exactly how a person feels. As a matter of fact, in this, in this hope of trying to help out of the good intentions, you're actually bringing deeper hurt. And it was kind of interesting because they said, as a matter of fact, when people were kind of pulled, and this was you know, a while back, but we still have the same needs, they said, most people would rather that you simply walk up to them and say, I'm sorry, and give them a hug. That's all we need to say. We love to be comforters. We need to be comforted. You know, I remember as a boy... My dad was having a, an elders meeting. He was a pastor, so he's having an elders meeting in the house. And I can't remember all the details. He must have been, because I was too young, he was babysitting, so he had to move the meeting to our place. I went to bed. I had a nightmare. And I was scared. I was, I was you know, you wake up confused. You're, you're, you're hurting for whatever reason. You don't know what it was. And I walked out, and he's in the middle of a meeting, you know, elders meeting. They're talking about real stuff. And as I... I'll never forget, as I'm walking down that hall, he sees me, and he can see something's not right. And all he did was motion for me to come. And I'll never forget, right there in his meeting, I climb up on his lap, he wraps his arms around me, and just continues with his meeting. I couldn't have been in a better place than where I was at. 
And you see, this is what Jesus says. He goes, you know what? It's okay to hurt. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to have all of these things because I'm going to be the one that wraps my arms around you and brings you that comfort. James 4, 8 through 10, he says, Come near to God and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. He will bring us comfort. You see, the greatest part of that is the comfort comes because we're in His presence. He comforts us with His presence. The 23rd Psalm, one of those wonderful Psalms, in verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. Why? Why can I go through that? Because I'm not walking alone. I'm walking with God. I'm walking with the Creator. I'm walking with the One who knows every detail of who I am. I'm walking with the One that knows every single thought that comes to my head. And all He says is, give your, give your concerns to me because I care. We can take comfort in His presence. We can take comfort that He will supply for our needs in that moment. You know, as I said earlier, mourning is that inner sense of deep loss or grief that we feel will never go away. And it's in that moment when we feel we can't do anything more that God supplies our next step. He gives us the strength to be able to do the next thing. Philippians 4.19 simply says, My God will meet all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When we mourn over the loss, personal, when we mourn over the world, when we mourn over our own sin, we can rejoice and take comfort in the knowing that the God of all comfort will comfort us. Psalm 34.18, beautiful. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Isn't that cool? The Lord is near, close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's what he says. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because I'm there to bring you comfort and I'll give you everything that you need. Friends, today, are you mourning personal loss? Have you been trying to handle it on your own? Isn't it great? Blessed are those who mourn. Don't do it alone. Because you will be comforted. Do you mourn today the world in which we live? Not angry. Does your heart break? You will be comforted. Do you mourn over your sin? If we mourn over our sin, not only will we be comforted, but then we're clean. Whatever it is that you may be mourning today, can I just give this simple encouragement? Don't walk out of it carrying it alone. Notice what Jesus says about these Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are a heart in which we approach something. 
It doesn't say blessed are those who mourn because you'll be able to get through it. You can, you, you can pick yourselves up and go. No, that's not what it says. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. In other words, somewhere, some way, somehow, God will bring that comfort into our life. Are we bringing those, you know, again, cast your cares upon me because I care. Someday God will make sense of it all. Someday every one of these problems we experience will fall. And we will experience the final comfort when we all get to heaven. Let's pray. Father, this morning may be our hearts hurt. We understand that this is not one of those discussions where you walk away feeling pumped to go out and change the world. But we understand that we have emotions. We have hurts. We experience loss in so many ways. And oftentimes we try to handle it ourselves because we're strong enough. Lord, maybe this morning there are some of us who are broken to that place where maybe we see no end in sight. Holy Spirit, would you as the God of all comfort bring comfort today so that we would be able to rejoice in the fact that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you walk with us and we can walk in your strength. Lord, we love you. And we're so thankful that you are here with us. Work on our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.